Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Greater Than Code, today featuring the board of Ruby Together, which is a fantastic organization. We're going to learn more about it in a moment. First, I'd like everyone to introduce themselves. If you would, please, who are you, sir? Hi, uh, I'm Andre Arco. I am known as Indirect on the Internet Things. Uh, you may have heard of some things that I worked on, including Bundler and no. Ruby Gems. Mm -mm. And I started Ruby Together. You started Ruby Together. I started Ruby Together. This uh, thing that I'm on the board of, you actually began. And I was joking. I have heard of Bundler and Ruby Gems. They're both pretty important pieces of <laughs> Ruby infrastructure generally. So thank you for your contributions. Great. I'm glad to hear that you have heard of it. <laughs> I assume that's where that bundle command that I can never seem to find because my gem path is always wrong uh, is from. Yeah. That's correct. I'm really bad at managing my dependencies, apparently. And you? Hi, I'm Adarsh Pandit. I'm also on the board of Ruby Together. I'm a Ruby developer and consultant, and I run an agency called Cylinder Digital, cylinder.digital. Cylinder.digital yep. is your agency where you consult primarily in what space? What sort of things do you work on? We build custom web software for business problems like business everybody problems. else. So um, if my business is the kind of business that occasionally has any problem at all, we could contact <laughs> you and you will meet that challenge. That's correct, Jonan. Excellent. <laughs> I have somebody to hear that. <laughs> and you, who are you? I'm uh, Valerie Willard Srinivasan, which is a mouthful. I'm sorry. I'm a uh, Rails developer as well. I work at Panoply on the Megaphone software, which is actually for podcasters. And Megaphone is fascinating. You were telling me about this. It lets you do all sort of uh, dynamic things with your podcasting. Yes, all sorts of dynamic things. You can do dynamic ad insertion, geotargeting, things like that. Can you change my voice to make me sound better? <laughs> Not in Megaphone, okay, but in other software. The possibility exists. That, that's a thing. A yeah. feature coming soon on suggestion of. Yeah. Like me. maybe like a Mickey Mouse Perfect. Like, toggle. That would, I'm sure that our listeners would love that. Yeah. And I guess finally I am Jonan Scheffler, a new member uh, of the Ruby Together board. I joined a few months ago right in the midst of a very complicated conference season. So I have been probably the least involved of any here on the board of directors and have thus been chosen to host this episode because I will explain things badly and people will correct me and explain them to you. Jonah, thank you for your service. <laughs> we, we appreciate your sacrifice. We do. So as I understand this thing that I've joined and am a part of now, Ruby Together is a uh, nonprofit, a specific kind of nonprofit that is dedicated to uh, the Ruby community and providing uh, money to people who are able to work on large, important open source projects for Ruby, like Bundler and RubyGems. Is that an approximate explanation of what it is we do here, do you think? That is approximately correct. I would say that's actually maybe one of the better pitches for Ruby Together that I've heard. So I feel like you are very on top of things. I'd like to thank myself. Yes. For being really good. Also at the Academy. That. And the Academy. <laughs> we are in LA. We are all. in LA. Uh, Anything yeah, you want to add to that? I would, I would say that that's pretty accurate. Definitely of all of the possible things to be concerned about in the Ruby world, uh, Ruby together decided to just kind of like focus on maybe only a couple in an effort to possibly make a difference. And I would say that definitely the things that we have chosen to focus on are kind of like the basic infrastructure and tooling and open source software that lives in the level between Ruby itself, which has its own core team, and kind of like above that sits RubyGems and Bundler and all of the servers that RubyGems and Bundler talk to and kind of like all of the incidental tools that sort of like make those services possible 
a uh, tremendous amount of infrastructure. Yes. And it's very expensive to operate. And we have mostly been doing it by the good graces of companies who have donated their services in the past. For example, Fastly. That is also correct. Um, okay. Fastly still donates their services to this day. I would have to check their website to give you like an up to the moment total. But last time I took a look, it was something along the lines of uh, $40,000 a month worth of CDN that Fastly is contributing towards the general operation of Ruby Gems. Thank you, Fastly. Thank you, Fastly. If you are listening to this and you are looking for a CDN, please, for the love of all that is good, use Fastly so that they love us enough to continue this because the money for a real quick description of where the money is coming from for Ruby Together generally is individual members and companies. Uh, but it would be very difficult for us as an organization to replace that $40,000 a month if we were suddenly to have to pay for all of Fastly's services. So Fastly, if you're going to quit us, we're going to need about six years notice, <laughs> ideally. To and they're good folks over there too. Really they nice are people. really good people. They make a really good product. I recommend it regularly. I do a lot of Heroku demos. I'm a Heroku developer advocate. And so I'm standing in a booth and I have to show people the add-ons things. And Fastly is my go-to because then I can talk about how if you need to send cash gifts to China consistently and quickly, then you need Fastly. Uh, but I, I honestly have not heard complaints about anyone who's been on the Fastly platform. And I know a lot of the people who work there, they're great. For me, the one of the interesting things about Ruby Together from the beginning is that it's organized as a trade association. It is uh, not unlike, uh, as Andre explains, the Dairy Farmers Trade Association. Got milk. Got milk. Got root. was a uh, common effort from all dairy farmers. They all kick into the Dairy Farmers Trade Association, and then they pay for things that help everybody collectively. So it is in an era where we do a lot of things pretty individually, Commercially, it's a function or a vehicle to do things collectively as a group. And in this case, we're collectively trying to support all our shared infrastructure and tooling. I was just going to point out, I know one of the like sort of Ruby nonprofits that people are maybe more familiar with is like Ruby Central, which puts on RailsConf and RubyConf. And I believe they also help with the Ruby Gems infrastructure and stuff. So I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about like what they do, what are the differences between what they do and what Ruby, Ruby Together does? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to do that. So Ruby Together and Ruby Central are effectively cooperating in this project of keeping Ruby's infrastructure working. Historically, Ruby Gems was a volunteer effort put together during RubyConf itself. And so Ruby Central wound up providing the servers that rubygems.org ran on. And Ruby Central, by running RailsConf and RubyConf, uh, Ruby Central not only sort of pays their own employees, but also sets aside some money with which to pay for the needs of rubygems.org. And so right now, for as long as uh, Fastly sees fit to provide us with their unlimited services, uh, Ruby Central takes care of the remaining bills, which are uh, sort of like various and sundry AWS charges. Uh, we run some instances, we use some services, we put a lot of .gem files on S3, and then people request them through Fastly. So uh, Ruby Central has always funded that, the, the servers for rubygems.org, and they still do that to this day. The sort of uh, critical moment that honestly uh, inspired me to attempt to create Ruby together in the first place was way back in, I think, 2012 or 2013, when rubygems.org went down because no one had time to apply a security patch 
before the weekend because everyone had, you know, paid work that they needed to do. And everyone who worked on rubygems.org was an unpaid volunteer. Um, and so even though the servers were being paid for, there was no sort of developer time or maintenance time or security patching time that was paid for. And that week, we had sort of collectively agreed that whichever one of us was done with work first was going to go apply the security patches. And that week, someone also noticed the security patches were not applied and hacked the rubygems.org at the time single server. And we had to throw it away. And rubygems.org was gone for, I don't, it was a while. Couple it, days. Was, it, was, it was maybe three or four days. Yeah. Uh, we had to find copies of all of the gems that had not potentially been hacked and check to make sure that the copies we had had not had anything bad inserted into them. It was a pretty bad day. It was, it was a pretty bad week. week. Uh, basically, all three people who worked on rubygems.org for free at that point took an unexpected week off of their paid jobs, which is less than ideal for all of us. You explain that as like a death in the family. Like Basically, yes. A yes. web app that I'm very close to just passed away. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And so that made me feel like it was a huge waste. Like, and a risk. And, and, yeah, you and a risk. Massive also risk. a massive risk, yes. I mean, many people uh, have had problems in other communities as well with this kind of, you know, you have your... Um, your method of installing dependencies and uh, people removing things unexpectedly certainly has affected the JavaScript community. Uh, I think it makes sense. It behooves us as a community to have people who are paid to pay attention to these things uh, and specifically people we can then yell at when things go terribly wrong. Uh, and for better or worse, in this case, it seems to be Ruby together. Um, uh, when things go well or things go poorly, we hear about it. We do. And I think that lately we um, have made some changes. I know that lately we have made some changes to address some of the feedback from the community, specifically about uh, your position here. And maybe you can talk a bit about that transition and what that's been like for you. Sure, absolutely. Definitely, as I had just mentioned, I had no clearer idea of what I wanted than rubygems.org to stop being hacked. Right. Uh, and so attempting to find my way forward from that, I sort of made it up to, at the time, both Stripe and Engine Yard had kind of like, without any real effort on my part, sort of shown up and said, hey, would would it help if we just gave you some money? And I said, yes, uh, it would help if you gave me some money. And now I feel weird about taking money from companies. So I should like figure out a better way. Uh, and after speaking with a lawyer who actually turned out to be super wonderful, I realized that the better way was this form of nonprofit where multiple companies and individual people who are all sort of sharing this infrastructure contribute funding together. Uh, and so that was the structure that we kind of settled on. And I worked hard to find uh, fabulous Ruby celebrities to join the board, uh, like all of you. Like me. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and when we launched, after paying the lawyers and, you know, paying for a website and all of those fun things. Uh, we had enough money to hypothetically pay for something like, uh, I want to say, seven hours a week worth of work. Kill uh, Yeah. Well done. Yeah, absolutely. And so to start with, we just kind of like consulted with the board and said, oh, well, there's like one person who has not yet burnt out on volunteering on rubygems.org. And there is one person who is not yet burnt out on Bundler. 
that was me. And so we just kind of offered the two of us to pay for a few hours a week of working on those things. Since the two of us being you and uh, David Radcliffe, the yes. other volunteer who worked on on RubyGems.org, okay. uh, through all of all of these things, and had had recently had additional children and uh, become very busy. Children are uh, extremely inconvenient to the Ruby are, community. They are. Koichi Sasada had a child a couple of years ago and left for a good three months. It was ridiculous, Koichi. We can't have that. We need you committing constantly <clears throat> to Ruby. Congratulations. <laughs> exactly. And so it, it turned out that paying for maintenance work on Bundler and paying for maintenance work on RubyGems.org meant that they didn't get totally neglected which is kind of the state that they had ended up in. And so while we only had seven hours a week at that time, things progressed well, but it was still an organization that was basically you uh, and Mr. Radcliffe working together to make all of the pieces work. I mean, you were responsible for every part yes. of the story, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. And eventually, we as an organization received some criticism for that in that it was – you know, any time that you have an organization that is designed to represent this many people, it can be um, an uncomfortable situation for the membership when the power is so concentrated. Absolutely. Right? And that is a very reasonable complaint. And we've been working real hard to address that. As a result of that, you have actually stepped down from the board recently. That is correct. And now your role here is what exactly? Basically, rather than either be on the board spending the money or be on the Bundler team receiving the money, our kind of like best possible outcome that we were able to find is that I would become the executive director, which is like a very common, it's kind of analogous to a CEO in a public for-profit company. There's not technically any like legal requirements around that. Anyone can be an executive director and anyone can be a CEO, but... Uh, symbolically, executive directors at nonprofits are kind of like attempting to steward the nonprofit towards meeting its goals, where symbolically CEOs are about making decisions and having profits and taking home 375 times as much money as their lowest paid employee. Well, they're visionaries and they have black turtlenecks. Did you have something to add? Yeah. And I, I think that this, this change is not just about being responsive to feedback, which, well, that is very important. It also felt to me and a lot of the other board members, I hope, I don't want to speak too much for them, but it felt like an evolution of the organization from, you know, kind of a, a level of single founder startup trying to do every job and figuring it out as quickly as possible with very little help to, um, okay, now there's a team and now we can start to uh, split up roles and responsibilities and then ask questions about who should be doing what and what processes should be in place and how we should have make decisions. And I joined in February of this year with all the other lovely uh, board members who I must say are very professional and super focused. Some of the meetings that we have are among the most focused and productive meetings that I have with other people. But the board members, I think, were pretty instrumental as well as Andre in thinking about what the right organizational structure should be instead of just saying, well, you know, let's be reactive. And so through that, I think more prospective, like let's imagine a better tomorrow and then start incrementally building towards that. This was one of the steps that happened along the way. I think it's a natural step in like the maturation of any sort of thing, nonprofit company where at some point you have to change who's doing what because one person can't be doing everything. Um, and I think that's really healthy that we have 
a board in place that can take on some of that responsibility? I think that it's arguably more important, right? There are concerns about like a locus of power, but I think more important than that is that we preserve Andre um, (laughs) and his sanity. And by doing all of this work together, we're able to offload some of your burden, I think. I I both super appreciate that and agree that offloading things is important at this point in time. And fortunately, we, I mean, because of the way that the Ruby Together was run for so long, uh, you accumulated a lot of tribal knowledge that existed for exactly you. Right? That is extremely true. And we are definitely working on getting all of that knowledge out of my head. And that's, I think, our first priority as an organization is to be able to get all of that information off of Andre's plate so that we can then address those things and take more responsibility as things go. But uh, yeah, so absolutely. far in your first, how many months as executive director? Has it been two, three I, months? I think it's been about three. Three months uh, now. Do you feel happy anniversary. like uh, things are getting better for you as far as the amount of work that you have to do and the amount of work that we are yes. able to do? Yeah. I, I feel much better about things, honestly. It's meant that I'm able to, I guess I, I simultaneously took on kind of like a, oh, I'm not even sure what to call that, like a, a managerial or kind of like a suggestion making stepped back chairman of the board kind of position uh also with bundler and ruby gems where my goal is to like facilitate communication and make sure that everyone knows what's happening as they do work but not to like do work myself because it turns out that having three jobs is even worse than having two jobs gets more complicated Uh, yeah delegating is important oh my god and so it has been wonderful to be working really hard on delegating things in open source it has been wonderful to work really hard on delegating things in ruby together and it's also been a really good experience to realize that under this new structure uh, the thing that I'm getting paid for is keeping Ruby together functioning well, which was previously the thing that I had to do for free in my spare time. Right. And that turns out as Ruby together succeeded, became a worse and worse and worse uh, situation. I mean, that's the situation that you ran into with Ruby Gems that led you to create Ruby Together. Yes. And at the point where I was thinking about needing a Ruby Together for Ruby Together, it was clear that something <laughs> something needed to be rearranged. You almost started another nonprofit to yes. watch over the nonprofit. Yes. Go ahead. One thing that sticks out to me is that all of the, there's as I step back and reflect on all of these things, they're all kind of about labor and, you know, all of the open source work that happens you know, I don't think anybody's really solved this problem very well, but it's a lot of volunteer labor. And when certain projects take off, they become integral to the workflows of many developers who support big companies to make a lot of money. And there's a weird mismatch there, which I think we're all experimenting around and trying to figure out how to solve. And when you're doing three jobs and, and you know, getting paid for half of them, like, you know, this theme of labor and, and compensating people for their time comes up again and again. And and also burnout, I think, is also coming up a lot. You know, we see a lot of open source maintainers fry out and say, look, I need to take a break. And, you know, I don't know that we have the solution to all of these problems, but I think that we can have some experiments and make um, some positive impact on in our little corner of the world and hopefully learn some things from the other organizations and foundations too. And it doesn't even have to be so drastic as burnout a lot of times. You know, people get other hobbies. They have children. They get a new pet. They become involved. And the value um, 
in in having open source set up the way it is, is that people can kind of round robin contribute to this project. But it also means that occasionally things fall off the map, right? Projects go unmaintained, the final person had a child, and it's done. No, no passing of the torch, right? We cannot as a community afford to allow that to happen to things like Ruby Gems and Bundler. If we want to grow Ruby as a language, and I think we can all agree that Ruby is the correct choice, strictly speaking. <laughs> correct. Yes. My unopinionated opinion is <laughs> that, uh, that everyone should use Ruby all the time. If we want to grow Ruby as a language, it is vitally important that people be able to install gems. Uh, if you uh, are trying to make a case to a large enterprise that Ruby is a good choice, and during that meeting, someone brings up the fact that one time for a week, no one was able to install gems. That's a pretty uncomfortable conversation to have. It'd be great if we only had to say one time in that conversation instead of five times. Right. And, and so far, so good. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that I'm most proud of at this point, uh, having run Ruby together for a few years, is that we kind of had that laser focus on we would like this to not happen again. And it has not happened again. Turns out paying people to apply security patches and paying people to sort of proactively notice that the servers are degrading and alerts are alerting and things are not thinking has meant that, you know, we we occasionally had like slightly degraded service, like maybe if you're in part of the world, it's not so awesome. Um, maybe one API is not fully responding correctly, but we have had zero outages of rubygems.org uh, for the entire time that Ruby Together has been funding development work to keep it running. Uh, Which I think we can immediately interpret to be a causal relationship <laughs> using science. And we did it, folks. We've won the internet. Yeah. Congratulations, our team. Thank I you. do appreciate, actually, very much uh, that it's we've had such a good run. Um, I do want to talk about maybe more about what are, what are some of the things that you um, have been enabled to do, or we as Ruby Together have been enabled to do. For example, new projects uh, that have come to fruition recently that maybe wouldn't have happened had you not moved into this executive director role. Yeah, absolutely. One of the great things about moving into this executive director role is that because I'm now getting paid to kind of administrate and direct executively, it means that we're able to sort of make progress forward on things that we had talked about wanting to do. And I had never had enough free nights and weekends to make forward progress on. Um, and so right now we, in the last few months, just uh, basically as soon as I had this sort of paid executive directing time available to me, uh, we were able to move forward with the Ruby Me program and actually kind of like go from idea that everyone agreed was great to a project that we actually launched into the world uh, with unprecedented speed, which was really cool. I agree that this idea is great, but also what is this idea? This idea of RubyMe is the idea that there are many Ruby developers who maybe will say they're open source curious. They have heard of open source. They know that it exists. They know that they've used it. They've seen the scrolling pages of GitHub issues go by, and they're not really comfortable or familiar with what jumping into that stream of endless people telling other people that they are bad and wrong on the internet 
would be like. It's a very complicated thing, jumping into open source. It's a scary world. It right? is. And it you is. as a new developer in the community or an old developer in the community, I've been around in Ruby for quite some time, maybe six years, I think I've been writing Ruby now. And I contribute very little to the open source community, aside from like usually untested and pretty bad code to make some robot perform poorly on stage or other little apps that I've made and put out there that I throw up and I am IT licensed, but no one really uses. I had one gem that someone used one time, right? But I've never contributed on a major project. In my case, it's primarily a function of time and resources, right? But for many people, they're just looking for advice on how to take that first step. And some repos have things like issues that are uh, good for, for new beginners. But how does the Ruby Mood program help solve that problem for people? Definitely. There's kind of, a, along with, as Adarsh mentioned, the unsolved problem of like, how do we fund or sustain open source developers who are already there? There is a parallel unsolved problem of like, how do we get people from the banks of the open source river to, you know, having their heads held down under the water <laughs> by the community, uh, by the community at large. Keep typing. Yeah. I'm not really uh, sure about that analogy. I, you know, in, in, retro, in retrospect, maybe it was not the best analogy to choose. But I think the point is well taken. Like, uh, there's, it does feel for the average developer that there's a lot of uh, barriers to getting involved in an open source project to yeah, contribute. Absolutely. And and especially we even noticed this as we were running the program that there are effectively two ways to write Ruby software and they are more different than you would think if you heard about them from someone talking about them, right? Like if you work at a company, there is a person who shows up and says, "Look at this issue tracker, start at the top, go down as fast as you can forever." And maybe there are like meetings involved and stakeholders and things that maybe, people want. Maybe it's mostly, in my experience, <laughs> meetings. And the that, I think one of the most surprising things, so I had a lot of strange jobs before I got into software. One of the most surprising things to me was that everyone in this industry is literally looking at an infinite pile of work all of the time. And it's right in front of you. It's it's not, I mean, in a lot of places, like you work in a factory and you put things on a conveyor and you take things off a conveyor and you ship them and logistics and you, you see like, oh, well, we got this order done and that was done. You clap your hands and you move on with your life. But in software, there is an ever-present mountain of work in front of you. Right? Infinite, infinite work. And I, I don't think that any software is really ever done. It can be a disheartening thing. And as a, as a new developer coming on an open source project, you see this pile of issues, right? And one out of every 10 issues is getting a response from some developer who is overworked and uh, doesn't have the attention and, and often responds tersely to people who offer to contribute. Someone puts together a PR and they say, no tests, and they close the issue, right? Totally. Uh, and, and, and I understand that person's perspective because they had to do that 100 times and they had two hours before they went out to dinner with their family, right? Yeah. So, uh, I think that like Ruby me as a program is a great option, but I want to get down to like the nuts and bolts of it real quick. Definitely. So what is, what exactly do we do there? So what exactly we do there is there's effectively two parts to the program. One part of the program is that we find relatively experienced software developers and we find relatively inexperienced software developers. And still the first part is we kind of like combine them. We say experienced person, inexperienced person. We want you to like work together provide each of your perspectives and knowledge and background and spend some time finding an open source project, uh, choosing something to work on and working to contribute to that project together, together. as a team, as it, a team. It's a kind of paid mentorship. Basically. basically, because the second part of the program is that we pay both of those people. Yeah. 
and the money for that, they uh, we just have people come and apply to this program. Correct. And then we choose some of them, people who seem likely to actually participate. Well, how do we decide? Do we choose by height? Because I'm very tall, actually, uh, and well, I want money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not eligible, probably, as a board member. To solicit money from the Ruby Me program, that that would be correct. Okay, we would we would reject your application right, immediately. Yeah. Uh, but people who are not Ruby Together board members, as most people are not, yes, uh, the way the way that we've structured the program is we do this for three months, and we've deliberately arranged it so that it will not disrupt anyone's existing normal jobs. We're aiming for something very much like that aforementioned sort of paid internship in open source Ruby software. What we do is we end up funding about eight, maybe 10 hours of work and sort of like writing about that experience per month. And so maybe that's like one entire workday that you schedule just one time a month. Maybe that's like your weekly meeting where you spend, you know, like one or two hours together. We've seen both happen actually so far in the program. To answer your question about who ends up getting the money, right now the selection happens via the Ruby Together board and we take the overwhelming number of applications that we receive. Which was and, how many this recent? Uh, so it's like a thousand. This, this last round we received about a thousand applications. Yeah. We had two available slots. Well, for two pairs of Correct. mentee and mentor Correct. pairs, right? So, had, four people joined the program in this last round with a thousand applicants. Yes, right. And so, it was a uh, more exclusive than Harvard. Probably. That is much yeah. more, probably yeah. true. Much, yep. much more. Uh, not not by choice. Right. Uh, we were expecting possibly up to maybe twenty applications, based on you know historical applications for things. Yeah. So this is the most involvement we've had with any program. This, together. this is absolutely the most involved that the community has ever been with anything that we've ever done. Um, Excellent. Which seems great. Yeah. And so we sort of collectively decided what criteria we were going to prioritize rather than, you know, if we had money to fund every single one of those thousand people, I think that like all of the ones who seemed like actual real human beings, we would have been super happy to fund them. Uh, the people uh, who were robots, clearly, there were just me in an automated script resubmitting my own name over and over again. Correct. I'm sorry about the other 998 applications. Correct. That uh, was me. We, <laughs> so so I, I guess to be perfectly clear, the 1,000 applications were the remaining applications after we eliminated the applications from scripts. Wow. We completely broke Google Forms. And including all of the scripts, we had something like 145,000 applications. Right. And so that was cute. And we appreciate that you are great programmers. In the future, we're going to do our best to prevent that from being possible. But also stop it. Yes. You're being mean to people who are working for free or little money to make the world better. And maybe you could spend your time and energy doing other nice things. Yeah. You like could contributing write a to open source. Yeah. In an open source project. Wouldn't that be lovely? It would be lovely. Energy? Yeah. Valerie and I were, were uh, helping look through these applications and there, there's so many great people on both sides of it. It was really a, d a tough thing. But I mean, it also, it was nice. I mean, I'm, in a way, I'm glad that we broke the forms and had all that. Seeing that appetite from people was like really great and I think points out the fact that like there are a lot of people who are interested in this kind of work who don't really know where to start. 
Yeah. And it's a, you know, like all the things that we do and everyone does, it's a first iteration. And what was really cool also is that there are a whole bunch of people that said, I missed a deadline. And when are you doing this again? Put me on the list for when this happens again. So absolutely. That was very gratifying. And a lot of credit to Coraline too for absolutely. Um, shepherding that project. And I, I don't know if it was her idea originally. Yeah, it this was, was her, her proposal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, spring. So it was the, I guess I've done a lot of kind of the like implementation minutia. Uh, but the the core idea of this kind of like paid internship in open source, paying both mentors and mentees was completely Coraline's idea. And I think it, it turned out to be a really great idea. A really great idea. And I think the best part of this is that this is a three-month-long program where we create new open source developers ideally over time. We are sowing seeds that grow in the community and Ruby together grows stronger by this contribution. So now in this round, we had two pairs. Yep. And in the future, I expect we hope to expand that program. We we do hope to expand it. We are limited by our existing budget. Um, we definitely could not, even if we had the administrative resources, we do not have the budget to fund 500 pairs, unfortunately. And so Andre, if you, where, does, where does our budget come from, Andre? That is an excellent question. Thank you. Plug, plug. Uh, our budget comes from Ruby developers and companies like you yourself listening to this program who show up and provide us with membership fees in our trade association, check with your accountant and tax lawyer, but are very, very likely to be tax deductible as professional business expenses. And what is a membership, an individual membership to Ruby together? So the wonderful folks at the government have decided that the way that nonprofits like ourselves that benefit an entire group or community of similar working people to be nonprofit. We are arranged so that people pay for a membership in our association and everyone who participates in that trade then benefits from the results of us spending the money. So for us, uh, individual members are able to join our private members only Slack. They're able to sort of like have uh, direct interaction with the board and with the people running Ruby together. And they are able to say that they helped keep rubygems.org from going down. And what does uh, it cost me to join as an individual member? As an individual member, to be a fully-fledged member who participates in the annual board of directors elections costs $40 a month. Sort of scaled up for companies. Uh, we also provide company-level memberships in a range from $50 a month through $5,000 a month, depending on the size of the company. Excellent. And so if you work at a company or are a software developer and someone pays you money, you might consider whether or not it's worth it to you to spend 40 of those dollars uh, contributing to the long-term health of the language that you love so dearly. And I'd like to add uh, one more bonus feature of being a member in addition to the Slack and the voting uh, is that infinite high fives feature from me. Anytime you see me at a conference, as many high fives as you want, subject to availability, of course. But I noticed you still haven't added that feature to the website, I was expecting. that That's true. That is uh, definitely an oversight on my part. And I keep infinite. sending you those high five gifts. I'd really like to see them appear on the website. Infinite, infinite high fives from Jonan will definitely uh, be a prominent feature of Big membership in the near future. I can also provide Twitter gifts. Twitter like gifts. Valerie codes, just find me. <laughs> yep. So Fantastic. easy. So the, the money is coming in now. We would like more money, obviously, all of the time. And, you know, for us, 
as an organization, we are people who like to focus on building things and moving forward and growing when we're together. And it can become kind of laborious and a bit tiring, really, to just continually stand up anytime a microphone is handed to any of us and say, give us money. Uh, but give us money. The, the end goal for you as uh, individuals is to make Ruby a larger and healthier ecosystem. And we are doing our best to make that happen. And especially uh, in the way that you are telling us you want that to happen. So Absolutely. we are here to listen. Give us more money. Ruby Me is a fantastic program. And we hope to grow it. And with your help, we can make that happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, one other uh, thing I wanted to tease is um, Andre's been working. We all have been working on uh, thinking about and experimenting and prototyping different ways of funding open source. To date, it's been uh, more like obvious project selection, uh, things that are pretty critical to the community, and then just deciding, hey, we should support these things. And one of the things we've taken undertaken as a, as a group is formalizing that process more. I would say adding some uh, appropriate bureaucracy and uh, working a little bit more to experiment with a granting system, which is kind of neat. And uh, we're getting close to rolling that out probably in the next couple of days. Yeah, absolutely. Do you um, want to say a little more about that? I would, I would love to. So I, I personally am very excited about it. Uh, I think that we've learned that as a nonprofit, we will not actually be giving grants, but uh, we would love to get project proposals from open source projects and developers who have Ruby open source that could benefit from money, which I believe is probably most, if not all of them. And so with the budget that we have available to us, we're super interested in starting to take applications from both developers and projects that could benefit from a few months of paid work and provide those projects with sort of like a, a quarter long window of funding in which they can get things done. Um, maybe that's like things that are hard to do, like actually read all of those bug reports and find out which of them are broken and reproduce those hard to reproduce bugs. Um, maybe that's this big feature that everyone agrees would be wonderful to have and no one has time to work on because they're all busy doing job bill paying work. And we're super excited about being able to offer that to the Ruby open source community in the near future. So we will be making some grants and we're putting together that program now, um, specifically just two projects that apply for those uh, and maybe not as grants, but it's a different form, not yes. grants. They, we're <laughs> we're going to stop saying grants unless we... we Project funding. Project funding. That's yes. another good word. Uh, we, will, we will be setting up contracts with uh, open source projects to fund their work. I like that. For a defined period of time. We're going to yeah. get the money and then we're going to give the money to other different people to do. We're gonna, it's we're like gonna a Robin Hood we're gonna, scenario. We're basically Robin Hood. We're basically Robin Hood. And also we, we're we paying people to get work done for everyone else. I like that. Yeah. So I think we're probably going to need to wrap up here. But I want to thank you all very much for your time. Absolutely. And invite the community at large to please send us your feedback and questions and comments and concerns all of the time. And money. And money. I don't know if we brought up money. And the fact that we need money so that we can give money. But if you know anyone who has any money, or you yourself have money, or you work at a company that maybe has money and likes that rubygems.org stays online, uh, maybe bring that up to your manager. Definitely. Thank you so much for joining us. Y'all have a good day. Thank you.